How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? I'm Garrett. I'm James. Thank you for joining our podcast. Uh, just letting you know before we start, uh, we got a brand new mic, so we're going to have some good audio quality. And uh, also, last week, we went off topic a lot. Uh, we will be going into science throughout our podcast, but uh, our main goal is to uh, share the words of the Bible, share the knowledge that we know of the Bible, and use science to help prove those words. Um Last week, we went off topic quite a lot. We stayed more into science than anything biblical. So this week, we're definitely definitely <laughs> going to be talking a lot more biblical. We're, we're going to be reading from the Bible and uh, giving a lot of good information. So today, we're going to be talking a lot about giants. And uh, James has some information to share with you guys. There you go. Yes, I'm very excited. And I also I love talking Bible. It's one of my favorite things to do. And a lot of people have the argument, well, you can't really trust the Bible, man. How can you even trust something that's been around that's got so many other translations and it's been around have, for I so have, long? I totally have a friend that always says, it's written by men, so I can't trust it. It's right. written by men, written by men. And he's right. It is written by men, but it's in God's words. It's in Jesus' words. It's, it's in... inspired by God, right? Um, well, what does it even mean to be inspired, right? Inspired means also we will be shortening our podcast to one hour last week's was one hour and 45 minutes it's a little long we're going to be doing each episode at one hour tops there you go hopefully we'll shoot for that range so inspired means of extraordinary quality as if arising from some external creative impulse right or of air or another substance that is breathed in and now we know in that in the uh, biblical account of creation, right, how God breathed life into the nostrils of Adam, right? The same he can do through us, right? So that this is why, especially in the Old Testament, when you have all these prophets and stuff who are prophesying, God is, gave them a word and moved through them as they spoke to their people. And, well... Why did he do that? Why don't we see that in today's world anymore? Because they didn't have the Bible back then, right? God said everything that he needed to say, and he preserved his word through this book. And that's a whole nother subject that I would love to get into at some point in time. Um, but that's why he was more, um, I guess, what's the word, emphasized, in, in involved in the world back then than he is now at least um involved in different aspects right the way he interacts with us now is different than the way he interacted with his people back then because they didn't have a word of god the word of god that they would get was would be from the priests and from the the prophets or the seers they would call them back then right right so finally getting into the subject of giants man um it's one of my favorite subjects, but it also is a subject that is a lot, it's surrounded with a lot of conspiracy and a lot of people. It's, it's one of those subjects that is similar to UFOs or aliens, right? It's like we really don't know if these things existed and it's got that conspiratorial air about it, right? But remarkably, there's a lot of evidence to support giants being legitimate right um one of the things is 
I I love this. I know we talked about this last week a little bit, but I want to really dive into it in this week's episode. What does it say in the Bible? Uh, so in the Bible, you've got multiple accounts. Let's go to Genesis 6 is the first account that we have of giants, right? Uh, let me see here. Okay, for Genesis chapter 6, verse 4 is the very first instance that we're introduced to giants. And it says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, they became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Now, this is the King James Version, and usually in other versions, they would have put the name Nephilim in there. And the word Nephilim literally just is describing the giant, right? And a lot of people take this verse, a lot of people don't really know what to do with this verse because, well, where did, what are you, what are you talking about? Giants, that's nuts, right? Giants, that's, it's a pretty incredible thing to comprehend. Right. Where do they come from? Why do they exist, right? right? And a lot of people, um, there's a couple theories on what happened, why they exist, right? And some people believe that when it's talking about the sons of God there, they 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 interpret it as angels that came down from heaven and mated with human women and created these crazy offspring giants, right? I used to think that that was the case. But after understanding, getting a little bit more understanding of what the Bible means, right? Because, especially when it comes to the King James Version, you really have to understand the language and the words and the terminology at the time of these words being written, right? I know lit is a perfect example, right? Like, a hundred, maybe two hundred years ago, lit means like, oh, he, to light something, right? To light a lamp. He lit the lamp, right? Now, in today's society, yes, lit, man. Oh, that's really cool, you know? So terminology yeah. changes over time. Words evolve. Words evolve. And so going, tr getting, having that understanding and looking at the Bible this way, the sons of God, I'm inclined to believe, in my opinion, is that the sons of God meant the line of Seth. Because, let me back it up even more a little bit, is because you have the first two children of Adam and Eve was Cain and Abel, right? And Cain killed Abel. And so... Because of that, Adam and Eve had another son. His name was Seth. And through Seth's bloodline is these the children of God. Because remember, Seth committed... I mean, sorry. Cain committed murder. And then God cursed him. And he went out into the world and started his own bloodline, right? And all that good stuff. And then um, Seth is kind of the, the bloodline that the Bible follows after, Right? And it even is traceable. There's this really cool um, poster that we have at our church that is all about the bloodline. It's, it has a, a bloodline starting from Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus Christ. And because not only was Jesus Christ by blood the Son of God, they, they were able to trace, because the Word of God is inspired, right? Um, they were able to trace lineages from his mother Mary, all the way back to Adam, right? Now, that's a whole nother topic. How can you believe that? And that kind of entails into this whole, how do I trust the Bible, which I would love to get into at some point in time, but right now, kind of sticking to this whole sons of God topic and giants and stuff. And so, Seth's lineage was, um, 
this bloodline of the sons of God, right? And so the daughters of men represent Cain's bloodline. And so they they took of these, these wives that were outside of God's communion, right? Because they Cain left God and created his own um, society and they, that society grew and they were away from God. And we know this is because even when he offered his sacrifice in, in Exodus 4, um, they had been doing sacrifices for a long period of time. They had been following after the ordinances of God, right? Of the performing sacrifices in the way that he showed them how they ought to do, right? But then he did it this one time in the time that's recorded um, Abel had his uh, sacrifice and the smoke went up to the Lord and then Cain brought the fruits of the ground, right? And sacrificed it and the smoke went down and God was displeased with his sacrifice. And so there we have an example of Cain had done something wrong in this scenario. And so this shows me that, okay, he's getting tired of following God. He kind of just doesn't, he wants to go halfway. He's not really willing to put in the effort and the work and the sacrifice that it takes to make a sacrifice pleasing to the Lord, right? Um, and so these, that bloodline is the, the people of men, right? The world of the flesh. And so in, introduction to giants is Genesis six, ch uh, chapter 6, verse 4, talking about giants. Um, another one of the most profound one um, instance we have about giants is first samuel 17 verse 4 which is probably one of the most famous giants in history which is goliath of gath now goliath was a giant of the philistines raised in gath um a warrior he was a warrior from his youth the bible says and what's very interesting about goliath is it's referenced again giants in second samuel 21 verse 16 a giant by the name of Ishbi Benob. Now imagine having that name. Ishbi Benob. Ishbi Benob, man, that's weird. And he was also a, a giant thought to be a descendant of Goliath. Now, why am I pointing out these two specific giants specifically, right? Why is that? It's because how we can believe um, that giants legitimately existed is because there is a YouTube video that is really, really awesome. I'm going to try to get the link in the comments later on so that you guys could check it out on your own. I think I talked about it a little bit last week as well. Um, it's Archaeological Evidence for Giants in the Bible by Expedition Bible. Um, really worth a good watch. Um, I love the guy. He, he, he takes you through. He, he goes there. You know, he goes to the place that they excavated these, these weapons and these armor plates that are massive right there he has spearheads that are over 10 centimeters long for sure right and he video documents it and he goes over it very well so in 18 1962 giant metal objects were found in kefir monash right and it was a horde of weapons and spearheads and stuff like that now from a secular world perspective people would argue it people that don't believe in 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 giants right and don't believe the bible well, they probably, it, it, it's too, way too heavy, way too large to be utilized in war. I mean, you would have to be insanely strong to wield this 10 centimeter spearhead. That's yeah. not even including the shaft. Yeah. Right? So it would be very, very difficult to utilize that thing There'd in war. There'd be no point of making it that large if, unless you were capable 
of handling a weapon like that. Exactly. And so what leads, they, they, they believe that, oh, it was probably just decoration, right? Which I could, I could understand why you would think that, but let me say this. Um, the, the spearheads themselves show evidence of them being used in war. They've got dents, they're bent on the tips, they've got these marks on there that are identifiable with other archaeological spearheads that have been found that have been in war, right? So that's really interesting. And then also, the second piece is they also found these, they found about 800 um, armor plates, 800 armor plates of copper. And these armor plates, they thought that, well, these are too big. Uh, they were probably... If I'm guessing, they're probably about the size of my hand. Um, just an average grown adult hand, you know. And so, why it's important is because people think that, oh, well, maybe these, these uh, there's 800 of these pieces. It, there's no way it could possibly be one set of armor of these 800 pieces. It's got to be multiple pieces of armor. Right. But the, sh the pieces of armor are so large, it wouldn't work on an average-sized human being. Right? And armor plates were, they were found not only in Monash, but they were in, an identical set was also discovered at Tel Gath, the place that Goliath is documented to be from. Right? And so, if Goliath, we know, was a giant, and the Bible says that he was at Gath, and then you have this archaeological evidence of there being armor plates too large for human beings and weapons that are too large for human beings to wield efficiently in battle, this will lead me to the conclusion of, holy cow, the likelihood of giants just went up. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. The Bible is, does a very good job of predicting things. Predicting, right. And uh, it is a reliable resource when it comes to, you know, discovering locations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we have gone through a lot of different, um, uh, the video that we've watched with, um, the sulfur. Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot of things like that where you, that place was found by people, you know, go, diving deep into the Bible and trying to figure out, you know, like decipher the yeah. Bible and, and figure out, you know, what what locations or where they these things happened, you know? Right. You know, uh, they did discover where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And, uh, you know... Evidence is there. Same with uh, a lot of tombs. You can go online and just see all these tombs of, uh, of different people. And it's an extremely reliable book. It is honestly more reliable than, reliable than our uh, secular history. Right. Sometimes, you know. Yeah, I know we really blew the lid off that one last week's episode, right? How we can, how just billions of years doesn't seem to add up, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, no, I totally agree, and I love that topic that you brought up, that the Bible is trustworthy by uh, landmarks. I mean, you've got places in, in the Old Testament, uh, King Hezekiah was a king of Israel who created, in the Bible it talks about him... Uh, making this, um, it was like a tunnel, or a, they call it Hezekiah's tunnel. It's like a, it's like a passageway that allowed water to travel from the kingdom into the outer parts of the land. 
so that people could get water. It's documented in Scripture, in Old Testament Bible, right? And you can go there to Jerusalem today, and you will find Hezekiah's Tunnel. People go there. People have taken pictures. Look it up on the internet. It's there. That place exists, right? Jerusalem exists. Um, Israel exists. Um, even in the New Testament, uh, there's a high priest named Caiaphas. And now a lot of people say that they don't believe, you can't really believe in the New Testament because it was written so many years after the fact. That's not true. And one of the reasons we know that's not true is you look at the account of the high priest Caiaphas. For a very long time, people did not believe that he even existed, right? But later on, eventually they, they did excavations and they found Caiaphas's ossuary and on his casket uh, I guess because of his royalty or whatever his 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 place in the social hierarchy they put him in this like almost like an Egyptian kind of thing not really like an Egyptian thing but you know what I'm talking about yeah, like, like mummified mummified right. thing they put his bones in there and on the side of that stone casket they've got his lineage in his tomb yeah they've got his lineage written on there they've got his names his family his descendants and and that proves that this guy Caiaphas, the high priest, existed, and he was written and st- talked about in the New Testament Bible, which was written two thousand years ago. Absolutely. So that's the, I'm telling you, man. The evidence is there in the world, right? The Bible says it, and then the evidence is out there, right? And especially with Sodom and Gomorrah, I love that you brought that up because. It's true. I mean, you go to Jerusalem and you find this in, this massive area of land that is, is just coated in ash and yeah. brimstones. The amount of brimstones that you'll find is a, astonishing. I mean, people say... You know, you also see what used to be like stone buildings and they're completely melted. The roofs are caved in. There are still staircases all the way up, but the roofs are completely caved in. Mm-hmm. And the... The only thing that can cause what what it clearly looks like what happened is that those roofs the the, the roof melted, mm. you know it got too hot right yeah and there's a what's even crazier is that there's no sulfur known to be around any part of land. The only I'll, 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 when when they went and excavated the area, you find these sulfur balls everywhere that were clearly at one point molten, you know and there's no sulfur anywhere and there's no volcanoes anywhere that can release it there's all this land all around it with no sulfur anywhere except all of a sudden these balls of sulfur that were clearly hot at one point that clearly came from the sky and pelted the ground pelted the buildings causing things to collapse right and how do we know that is because in the bible it says that the lord rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. And for those that don't know, brimstone is sulfur. Yeah. Brimstone is uh, the a. I, I think it's also it's not just biblical. I believe it's also in lots of uh, older history. They call brimstone. Uh, it's a word for sulfur. Right. Exactly. Highly flammable stuff too. If you watch these videos about people burning this stuff, it's insane. It's it's like a little ball, uh, maybe about the size of a tennis ball. Sometimes size varies. But they light it on fire, and it, 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 the flame is blue, and then it, it melts. It just liquefies into this, this fluid that is on fire. Yep. That is nuts. 
And for those that don't know what sulfur smells like, it smells like rotten eggs. Which which makes perfect sense for God to throw it at people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So all that was said to try to give you some uh, some evidence to so that you can be inclined to believe that this book is true. So going back to the topic about giants, it's not only mentioned in Genesis and First and Second Samuel, right? It, giants are also talked about in the book of Numbers. Uh, in Numbers 13.33, it says, And they, there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So there's a biblical account of giants, right? In Deuteronomy 1.28, says, Whither shall we go up? Or brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. Right? The cities." are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Anakim, sons of Anak, right? Um, even in Jude 1, verse 6, uh, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, have received everlasting change under the darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So these were that's referring to these angels or these these beings right these great beings giant beings um even in uh let's see here deuteronomy three eleven. these are old testament books this is one of the first this is i think the fifth book of moses here uh for only og king of bashan remained of the remnant of giants so again and again we have these documentations of giants existing in the world now, one thing that's important to understand about the Bible is you could dissect it into, I believe, about four, four different segments, right? You've got the first five books of the Bible, which were written by Moses, which is about the law, right? Um, you've got the Genesis, the beginning, right? Uh, how earth was created, and then uh, the Abrahamic covenant, the flood, the Tower of Babel, right? And then you've got Exodus, which is the children of Israel being taken away from Egypt, being delivered from Egypt by God, right? And then you've also got, in chapter 20, uh, God now wanting to have a law for them to abide by. Because, now, a lot of uh, controversy on that subject is because, well, God is just a tyrannical dictator. He wants you to just obey him and follow all these horrible laws and stuff. Now, look at it from this perspective, right? God loves his people. God loves his creation, right? And he wants to abide with them. He wants to dwell among his people, right? But because God is so holy and so sovereign, right? He cannot allow anything less than perfect in his presence because that's it's not within his nature, right? right? And I know last week we were talking about how God operates on a whole nother plane of existence than us, right? So God established these laws in order for them, in order for him to dwell among them, right? Because he wanted to be a part of the, his people. He wanted to have communion with them, right? He wanted to be reunited with his creation. And so I hope that um, kind of takes away that sense of tyranny and dictatorship because that absolutely is not the God of the Bible. So many verses talk about God's love, right? And I know that's such a huge thing. You could easily become a, a love hippie, 
when it comes to the Bible, right? God loves you, man, and people just go on fire about that. But it's he true. Is love. <laughs> yeah, but it is also true. God does love you. For uh, for His pleasure, we were created, right? He wants to be with us, which is why through the progression of time, He established this redemptive plan through Christ, right? So that about wraps up the the giants, right? The giant stuff. Oh yeah, I was talking about the Bible. And so you got the first five books, which is the law, and then you've got the next segment, which is historical documentation. This is 1 Samuel through um, Nehemiah. All of the books in between there are historic. You got 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. These are historical accounts of how Israel became a kingdom and the events that transpired there, right? Because it... it, it a society that does not have historical document documentation isn't going to be an effective society, right? Because it's important to remember where we came from. It's important to remember why we were established, right? Because when you forget the things that were established in the beginning, you don't really know what you're doing for the future, right? You're kind of just existing. You don't really have a purpose. It's the reason we have to, you know, study history when we're in school, you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, history exactly. repeats itself and it becomes useless. Exactly. I mean, and that's why I think it's so important that we do uh, remember the events of the Holocaust and we do remember the events that transpired therein, right? And the evil that took place so that way it doesn't happen again, right? Right. Because... We got to learn from our mistakes. Exactly. And that, unfortunately, oftentimes that's the only way that we can remember or learn. And so those books are historical documentation. Like I said, it documents Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, right? And how he created this tunnel for water to flow throughout the kingdom. It's there, right? So they didn't make that up for the Bible. And then you've got the poetry segment, which is Job through Lamentations. Um, maybe not, no, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes, my bad. Uh, Job through Ecclesiastes, uh, you've got the Psalms, right? The book of praise to God. You've got the Proverbs, the book of wisdom, right? Um, you've got Ecclesiastes, which is Solomon's rant at the end of his life about how everything is vanity, right? <laughs> and so, and then after that, the rest of the book, you've got the minor prophets and, and them prophesying about what God was going to do to the children of Israel and the Messiah and how he would establish his kingdom and, and bring judgment to the children of Israel because they forsook him, right? So that is a very, very basic understanding of the Old Testament. So, there you go. What do you think about that, Garrett? So, uh, we can kind of uh, move on to a subject of, you know, how can giants exist, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, even today, uh, uh, actually, I don't think there's um, been a very any common uh, occurrences lately. Mm -hmm. But I know it's even back in the 1800s, 1900s, and before, we've had people with giantism. Right. And so uh, that's where your your skeletal structure, your spine, everything like, everything like that, for some reason, is missing the genetic code to stop growing. You know, at a certain point, your body knows when it's stopped growing. Yeah. And so these people with giantism, for some reason, 
are uh, extended to a to a ridiculous height, you know, fifteen feet tall. But the thing is, is that those people usually don't live long. They're extremely skinny, and their body can't keep up with it. Um, right. Now, even people who are tall but still technically normal, you know, like uh, people who are six foot and higher, uh, you know, uh, there's probably even yeah, seven foot, almost at least six and a half foot people, right? Yeah. Those people are still known to not live as long. They their bodies have to work harder to be that big. That's crazy. So. Now, let, let's figure out why they would, their bodies need to work harder. Because there's not enough oxygen. Right. Back then, we have uh, done some research and we found out that back then, uh, during the, these times, here. Oxygen levels today are 21% of the atmosphere. Uh, and that's a pretty good amount. Um but uh, yeah, we're not suffocating, so that's good. <laughs> back uh, around the dinosaurs, up until uh, four thousand BC, uh, around this time, that's when oxygen levels started dropping. But yet they were still at about thirty-two percent. That what we can assume and figure out with scientific research, right? Right. So at this time, we still uh, with with these giants, they're at a thirty-two percent. Of oxygen and and even one percent is an extraordinarily large amount, mm -hmm. and oxygen is an extremely important resource resource for the body to use as a uh, as our energy. You know, your car can't work without oxygen. It needs that. It needs, it, it, it's it's not a it's not a fuel. You know, your mm -hmm. fuel is what you pump into your car. Oxygen is required to set off that chemical reaction. It's required for the chemical reaction of fire. Same with our bodies. We use oxygen for our chemical reactions of digestion, uh, with, uh, you know, to keep our heart pumping, all of our muscles, our brain, everything is requiring oxygen to circulate through our blood. And back then, there was high enough oxygen levels for people to still be that big. You know, so no matter if it's a genetic issue or if, uh, God made you to be that big. <laughs> Either way, back then they were able to still live normal lives, and in fact, not just be super tall, but also be very bulky, have larger muscles. Today, when we, whenever we see these people, they they're often extraordinarily skinny, yeah, and they'll only live to twenty to thirty years old. Wow! But it's it's because their body has to work so hard because there's not enough oxygen consistently to reach breath. And so, um, this is all speculation, you know, uh, stuff I know about things that I'm putting together myself, but, uh, yeah. So let's, uh, continue back to the Bible. Yeah. There you go. Stay on no, I think that's really, really awesome, man. Uh, and a little bit on that research, you know, even evolutionists believe that at some point in time, the oxygen levels were higher. And then after a certain period of millions of years, it drastically dropped down to, like, what was it, 21%, something like that? It went from 32% to 21% in a matter of, like, 10 years. <laughs> and that is just around the same time as the flood. Yeah, right. It's true. And we can prove all of that, right, through the evidence. So, there you go, man. That is a little bit of 
how giants existed, right? And why we don't see them so much today, but the evidence is there, especially with this archaeological stuff that they're coming up with um, in places like Kefir Monash and uh, Gath, right? These right. places that they're finding these archaeological evidences of um, these giant weapons. And if there's giant weapons and giant pieces of armor, and the Bible give us, gives us an account of giants existing, I'm inclined to believe, therefore, that giants are probably real, right? So, I think that is a good place to move on to our next subject, because I don't think there was anything else that we could yeah. bring up on there. Um, Do you want to continue to make this interesting? Yeah. So, I was listening to uh, another podcast by a buddy of mine. Shout out, Josh. I hope you're listening. Let's go. But, uh, he sent me a podcast about Matthew... It was... A Joe Rogan podcast episode with Matt Matthew McConaughey. Um, good episode, you know, really cool, very interesting. Joe Rogan is killing it in the podcast area, so props to him. But uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, claims to be a believer. He he professes to believe in God and in the Bible and stuff like that. And um, he was talking about one of the questions that Joe asked him was, "Well, what do you do with?" the Bible. What do you really do with it? Now, that makes complete sense to somebody who doesn't believe God, who doesn't believe the Bible, right? It's like you've got this book of principles and and ethics and and these strange stories in the Old right. Testament and then accounts of Jesus doing these miracles and stuff. Like what do we what do I do with this information? And Matthew McConaughey's um input was he doesn't know what to do with the miracles of Christ. He doesn't know what to do with these fantastical stories, but he knows what to do with Proverbs, right? I mean, it's it's basic information, basic wisdom, right? There are a lot of Proverbs. I mean, I just shared one today. It says, iron sharpens iron. What is that talking about? When a, iron sharpens iron, your, your brother sharpening one another, right? Um giving advice to one another, sharing it wisdom between one another to to grow one another, to have a healthy relationship with somebody, right? So I know how to apply that practically. And this is what Matthew McConaughey also said is that he knew he knew wow, he knews. He knows how to apply these things practically, right? You've got praise and stuff like that in the book of Psalms, but when it comes to Christ, he doesn't really know what to do with that. And that's where I really had an issue is because we know what to do with that, right? It's 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 nothing in so much that you do out of your own self. Like, oh, it, the Bible talks about Jesus performing miracles, and this is where um, Bethel Church kind of gets it wrong is because the pastor there believes that Jesus was a man who was in a right relationship with God, there, and that's why he could perform these miracles. That's not what we believe, right? That What the Bible says is that Jesus performed miracles so that many would believe on him, right? Because why Why did Christ even exist? Redemptive plan, right? God created this, this elaborate redemptive plan that took thousands of years to finally come into fruition, but it was necessary to take that long. Right. So that way we could have the Old Testament, so that the prophecies could come, so that they could prophesy of God's Messiah, so that when he came... He had things, specific things that he had to fulfill within his lifetime. Some of those things would be the virgin birth. Some of those things would be being born in Bethlehem. 
some of those things would be um, him, the fact that he performed miraculous deeds, right? God would approve his messenger by his miraculous deeds. And what do you read in the New Testament? Jesus going and healing blind people. Jesus going and healing the deaf and the lame and walking on water and calming the sea and feeding 5,000 people out of out of five loaves and two, three fish, right? So what do we do with that? You believe, right? You believe God because there is, this is not something for us to attain. These powers, these abilities aren't for us to obtain to, oh, be become in a right relationship with God so that we could ooh do magic here and there. What, what, what purpose would that bring? That's only going to give glory to us. Look at me. I'm such a holy person, right? right. The glory goes to God, True. right? The glory needs to go to God because Christ is literally, he, he is just the, the mediator between man and God. Because remember in the book of Leviticus and even for the, through the majority of the second half of Exodus, is God giving the law to the people so that he can dwell among them. And we already established that we we can't come to God on our own merit. There are things that we need to do to present ourselves accountable and and to be able to present ourselves in his presence, Absolutely. right? And we, we can't, especially for us in today's climate, who don't have the law, who aren't of the stock of Israel, right? Who are, are Gentiles, as the Bible says, right? Who are are foreign to the law of God, right? There's no way that we would ever be able to come into um, communion with God because we don't have the law. We don't know what to do, and we sin, obviously, right? How many lies have you said in your lifetime, right? Ridiculous amount. An absurd amount of lies, right? Absolutely astonishing. If you said, if you saw an accurate tally mark of how many lies that any of us have said in our lives, it would fill houses, right? And so because the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, right? We've broken the commandment of God, therefore we're separated, right? And so, well, what it, it ties, this is how it ties back into why did Jesus Christ come? So he is the res redemptive plan. He is the redeemer, right? To whoever believes on him, he, he, he got rid of the law, and all we have to do is obey. Well, let me say this. I, let me back back it up a little bit. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law for us, right? Because the law was there for us to abide by these things so that we can be in good standing in God's eyes, right? But that's obviously incredibly difficult because one of the main reasons is I, I lie. Not, I'm, I'm being honest right now. But I do lie on occasion, and that's because I am an inherent sinner, right? And I am human, and I make mistakes, right? And so you even see this when the, the law was established in the Old, Old Testament, in the Mosaic Covenant, right? In the law, they would have to have sacrifices once a month to redeem the people of their sins, right? Right. But this is this is where it gets difficult, is because they had a standard to abide by every single day, and the the reason that they did the sacrifices once a month is because somebody messed up, somebody made a lie, somebody did something wrong, right? So you have to have a sacrifice to purge the purge the the tribes of Israel for the for the next month, right? Yeah. And so the reason why it wouldn't work today is because I'm not promised tomorrow especially in today's climate, 
None of us are. It, look at the way that we travel. We travel in metal boxes that travel at up up to 90 miles an hour, right? On confined freeways, yep. right? Accidents happen. People aren't perfect. People make mistakes. <clears throat> I'm not guaranteed to li- live till tomorrow, right? So if I make a mistake right now and I get in the car and I don't have time to get on my knees and do and pull out the the lamb for the sacrifice and and go to the priest and all this stuff which I don't have access to because I'm not a Jew, right? And I get in my metal box and I take off on the freeway and I get in an accident and die. I'm condemned because I've broken the law. And this is why the it, it Christ is important. This is what we do with it. This is what we do with Jesus Christ is we go to him as our mediator, right? Because he fulfilled the law. The book of Matthew was an account of Jesus' life written by a Jew to the Jewish people. So these people are familiar with the law. They've been practicing it for thousands of years, right? And so when the Bible says, so that it might be fulfilled, Jesus did this so that it might be fulfilled, they would realize, oh, Yes, the, the law does say this. And if this is what he did, and then he died, oh my gosh, he must he fulfilled this part of the law. He fulfilled these things. Therefore, he created a pathway to God. He made it. He fulfilled the law completely. And because he was not only man, but he's also fully God. Because he was born of a virgin. He was born of God, right? Absolutely. Therefore, because when... Even the Bible says this many, many times in the New Testament, you know, the book of Romans and Hebrews and all this good stuff. says, as one man, sin entered into the earth by Adam, right? When he disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. As one man sinned and sin entered into the world and, and death also. Even so must by one man die and redeem all of creation, right? He is the fulfillment and the correction of that flaw that we made in the beginning, right? Now, that's also a message that a lot of people have a hard time with is because that's not fair. <laughs> because of one man, I'm going to hell? Right? How can you say that? Well, this is the thing, is we all are accountable. We all have responsibility, right? But unfortunately, we live in a society where that's not necessarily preached these days the message of today is you're it's not your fault you're just a victim and you get a pass you're okay right it's not your fault you can be whoever you want to be and and god loves you man and god just loves you where you're at dude and you can just keep doing what you want to do and you'll be all right one day that's not god that's not god it's true that God loves us, and it's true that God is willing to meet you where you're at, wherever you may be, but he also loves you too much to leave you there. He has great things planned for you, right? He has many, many, many good things planned for you. The, I know Psalm 103 um, talks about forget not the benefits of the Lord, right? He goes over some of the benefits, and what are some of those benefits? Uh, let me look it up for you here. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits in verse 2. 
who forgiveth all thine iniquities, or bad behaviors, that's what that word means, iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, right? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Redeemeth thy life from destruction. That one really hits home for me personally because I can remember a point in my life not too far, not too long ago where I felt like my life was headed toward destruction, right? I felt like my life was going downhill and there was nothing that I could do to make it any better because I've been living my own way. We, we definitely tend to lose control. Absolutely, right? And it goes on to say, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is where it comes in is God is so good and loves you so much that he has mercy upon you. And he shows us this mercy by that escape goat, Jesus Christ, so that we don't have to die in our sins. A lot of people say, well, you're telling me to stop doing what I feel, what I feel like I want to do and what I, what I am doing, right? You gotta t you're telling me to stop doing that and that's, you're just judging me, man. You're just judging me. I'm saying, that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm not the one, I'm not the judge, right? And I was talking to another uh, friend of mine, his name's David Daniels. Guys, check him out on the internet. Um, he's a really cool guy. He said, well, why does God have the ability to judge me? Why would God judge me? And this is, this kind of blends into that uh, tyrannical dictator mentality is, why would a good God judge me if he loves me so much? That doesn't seem fair. Oh, he's just a tyrannical dictator. And that's not cool. I'm not cool with that. Well, he has the right to judge us through Christ because Christ lived the perfect life. And when he was hanging on that cross, he took on the sins of all men, all of the sins, the sins of Hitler, the sins of Stalin, the sins of Mary, Mary Rose down the street, right? He, he took the sins of all of creation and he was judged by God for it. So he earned the right to judge us because he was judged of God, right? Well, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? If he was judged of God and he, he, he became sin, keep that in mind. He became the essence of sin and he was judged by God. Why is he king? Why do you say that he's alive? Why do you say that he's the right to judge us? It's because he rose from the dead on the third day. He, he rose on the third day. And he, he paid the price. It, it was paid on that cross, right? When he died and he gave up the ghost on that cross, he said, it is finished. He completed the law of God. He took on the sin of man and he took it to the grave. And when he rose on the third day, he established redemption, right? Everlasting life, the gift of God, right? And he ascended into heaven and now is our mediator to all who want that redemption, to all who need that redemption, to all who are willing to humble themselves and say, I am a sinner, man. Dude, I do lie. I do hate my neighbor. You know, I do bad things on occasion. And I, I realize that. And I don't want to go to hell because that doesn't sound like a good place right? You can go to God. You can go to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness and he will mediate between you and God and gift you eternal life because you put your faith and trust in him alone, right? That's why Christianity is so great. That's why it stands out from all the, all the other religions in the world is because every other religion in the world, um, the relationship between the deity is one of 
Oh, man, I'm brain farting so hard right now. <laughs> oh, man. You remember what I was talking about, uh, Garrett, about this? What Christianity is different. Oh, that, uh, that, uh, God has a personal relationship with you. Right. He knows who you are, and right. he knows what you're going through, and he understands. Exactly. Other, a lot of other religions don't share this kind of relationship. Right. It's impersonal. That's the word I was looking for. All other religions, their God is impersonal, right? But in Christianity, we meet God in Jesus Christ, right? The truth is a person who dies for us. And that's why, that's another reason why it's so important that God had to take on the form of man is so that he could be tempted and he could suffer affliction and go through hard times and be falsely accused and be wrongly accused and, and killed and martyred for no reason, right? And face judgment. So that, he, so that when he rose on the third day, not only was he granted authority to judge us, but when we come to him, he also gives us comfort in relatability. Absolutely. Right? Now, obviously, we know he did not sin. He, he did not fulfill this, the temptations of sin, which is why he is righteous, right? Which is why it gives him the authority to judge us is because he passed the test. But also when we struggle and we face difficulties and we're going through a hard time, he knows. He understands. He relates with us. He's gone through a lot of stuff too. He's gone he, through a lot. He's, he got to experience what it was like to be human. And think about that. Think about that. He humbled himself. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But, took, but humbled himself and took on the form of a man. Now, I was also talking about, what are you talking about when it means thought it not robbery? It, what do you mean? And I'm just typing it in here so that I could pull it up so that I could elaborate better for you guys. Um, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God? Um... A lot of people saying, well, what? I don't really understand what you mean, that word robbery. What do you mean? Uh, I know another Bible version says that thought that it could not be grasped as if it was something to be attained, right? That's not what this verse is talking about. He thought it not robbery to us to be equal with God, right? But made of himself no reputation and took up on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, right? So that's the point. He thought it not robbery. He earned it. He thought it not robbery to become equal with God, but he earned that right through humbling himself and living as a man and experiencing hardship and raising from the dead. He earned the right, right? He earned the right. He didn't think it robbery. He earned it. So, there you go, man. That's that's what I love about Christianity. That's why I'll stick to Christianity is because the evidence backs it up. The message is is different than any other message out there. It's unique, right? Yeah. And what blows my mind is that I I believe this. 
it blows my mind that I believe this because in a world of doubt and confusion and how how many influences are out there and and we don't we live in a, in a in a society of your truth and how you can decide what is true for you in any in any aspect of your life right yet this one thing when you study it when you look into it it proves of itself that it's true absolutely isn't that insane right it proves of itself through his archaeological digs through archaeological um, landmarks, right? Through even even things that it says. Like in the book of Isaiah, it talks about... Isaiah's talking about God in the circle of the earth. I know we talked about this a while ago. Uh, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but it talks about the circle of the earth. That was 700 years before the guy that figured okay. it out first. So you want to talk about, like, time? Yeah, exactly, right. But, so... What you'll find in secular history is a lot of missing pieces. And these missing pieces go from, you know, a couple hundred years ago to thousands of years ago, right? Well, the Bible is from the beginning of time, 4,000 BC, around there, right? And now, now, now check this out. Um... Okay, so 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 basically, uh, if you go back to ancient Egypt, and then let's skip skip all the way forward to ancient Greece. Ancient Greece is ancient to us, mm. but in the same time frame, ancient uh, ancient Egypt is ancient to ancient Greece. It's that far back. Now, there's no in secular history. There's no like detailed history mm. all the way back to Egyptians. Right. That's like lost time. I mean, you can go read the hieroglyphics on the pyramids. Sure. But the Bible goes all the way back 4,000 BC. And guess what? It's extremely detailed. Yeah. It even has everybody's specific name in the Bible. Yeah. The Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers are listed with names of people who existed. You find that in secular history. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it, it's few and far between, right? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The, the, the detail, right? And this is another reason why I believe that it's inspired, is because, and this has been said among other people as well, is that it's just way too detailed for any one man to work on this thing. Right? Right. It, it's taken thousands of years in detail to be worked on. And, and for the whole story to, to wrap up with Christ in the New Testament, right? That's insane. Uh, you've got, you've got 4,000 pieces of literature. Sorry. 4,000-year-old pieces of literature in the Old Testament that is wrapped up in 2,000 years ago New Testament stuff, Right? In one eight, uh, like thirty A.D. and ninety A.D. and all these, like really early on, that's when the New Testament was written. Within one A.D. to ninety A.D. is those uh, the time frame right. there. Probably more like 70, 70 A.D. But for that short amount, that short period of time, to wrap up thousands of years of documented 
scripture, right, is absolutely, like, who can do that? It's bananas. Who can do that? So, <laughs> bananas indeed, man. Bananas indeed. So with that, I think I'm gassed out, man. Yep. I think we're we've at covered five minutes. We've uh, definitely completed our hour. Thank you guys for joining us. I know I've been a little more quiet than usual. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. But uh, I think James had a lot to get off his chest, and uh, I'm glad he did. Uh, yeah, James is our uh, Bible scholar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I honestly uh, don't know more than most, I would say, most Christians. Uh, definitely continuing to read it. Uh, but James always uh, inspires me, but, uh, but uh, you know, he clearly knows quite a lot, you know, he knows verses after verse, and, and I, I, it impresses me. But the only thing I've ever studied this much is uh, science and uh, and uh, some history like that, you know. So uh, we're, we're, we're really glad to have you guys. We hope uh, that you guys subscribe and uh, or follow and, uh, you know, give us a like. Please uh, share it with all your friends if you like it. We uh, would like to use this to uh, raise money for our church. So uh, thank you guys.